0: What's up guys? My name is Lucas. Welcome to Just Being Real, a podcast by a pastor and his wife talking about the journey and being what God called him to be, a pastor. What's up guys? Glad you guys are here. Hope you like this podcast. Give it a subscribe. Enjoy. Well, hey, welcome to Just Being Real, uh, a pastor family perspective podcast. Uh, I'm Rodney Kincaid and my beautiful wife is not with us today. She uh, she decided to leave me uh, for a couple of days. I'm sorry. There was a little drama there to help you guys out, make you think there was a problem. Uh, I've always told my wife, man, if she ever left me, I'm I'm going with her. <laughs> it's just too good. But anyway, she is out uh, at a seminar uh, for the next couple of days. But I am in the studio with a couple of guys. That uh, first off, uh, it's the Wood family. Uh, if you remember a couple podcasts back. We uh, we interviewed, went on site to uh, to uh, um, Reverend Al Wood's house, and uh, we sat down to talk with him, and his lovely wife, and his son Steve. Well, Steve's back with us today, and Steve, uh, we've invited his son. So this is a grandson of Al Wood. And what we've done is we've just uh, kind of uh, uh, just seen what kind of good stuff we can. We can get on Al Wood. What do you say on that? Okay, now, never mind. That's not what we're going to But we are here today in the studio, so I'm going to kind of stop talking a little bit. I want to, uh, uh, um, Steve, uh, you've already met Steve. You know who he is. But, um, Steve, uh, we're going to go ahead and introduce and let your son uh, give us a little introduction of, of him and, and uh, where he's from, who, uh, where he's pastoring right now, and all that good stuff. So, uh, Joey, uh, introduce yourself.
1: Hi. Well, thanks so much for letting me be on here and talk with you guys today. My name's uh, Joey Wood, and I am a middle school pastor currently in Flint, Michigan, at Flint Central Church of the Nazarene. And we've been here for uh, next summer will be five years, um, but I've been in ministry for eleven years total uh, as a youth pastor. So that's what I've been. That's what I've been doing. Um, we have. Uh, two kids I'm, I'm married my wife Stephanie she is a stay-at-home mom with our two young kids uh, Owen is seven in first grade and then we have Elise who is our five-year-old and she's in uh, young fives which is kind of like a pre-kindergarten kind of thing so okay know. Yeah.
0: good 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 so now you are a graduate Joey of Olivet Nazarene University right I see it right there. That's correct.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm this, repping the Olivet gear today.
0: Yeah, in the Nazarene world, this this will get everybody going. So, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, that's all right. That's all right. We we love all of our universities. We truly do. And yep. uh, Olivet is phenomenal. Um, and uh, some of the things that I've heard about Olivet, um, I'm I'm kind of glad my son didn't go up there and do a, a site on you know visit the campus because I think he would have went. <laughs> So yeah. where what, what they got like a rock climbing wall now, oh, and a lazy river, so I don't know. <laughs> and that
1: all came right after I graduated the of course, year. <laughs> right? yeah, of course. That's how it always is, yeah. Uh,
0: yes, but uh, good, graduate of all of it, uh, Nazarene University, and uh, been, you When, when you're, you're ordained, right?
1: Mm-hmm, yep. When did that you was
0: ordained? 2014,
1: 2014. 2014.
0: Well, mm-hmm. yeah good. graduated
1: in 2011 ordained 2014
0: okay. yeah I, I tell you there's a great story of your dad and your grandpa yeah the fact of them being ordained together yep. um, which is very special and i know that meant a lot to steve that meant to his, his dad as well so mm-hmm. uh listen it's man, it's good to have you on the podcast with us uh, yeah, steve, you. You, you, you got any uh thing that maybe he missed that you need to um you know <laughs> Uh, catch him up, catch everybody up to date on
2: him. Um, one thing was, it was so cool is getting to serve on staff with my son. Yeah. Um, the year he got ordained was here in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. And we were on staff together. He was a youth pastor and I was the family life pastor then children's pastor. And man, things he, he doesn't realize he taught me uh, just amazing. That's good. Uh, to sit and hear, you know, your own son. It was just amazing.
0: Yeah. So that, that adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That, that's not true then, right?
2: That's not true. <laughs>
0: that's good. That's <laughs> good. Well, hey, listen, we want to kind of just get into it a little bit. Uh, you guys, have, you guys come from a, a pretty uh, a cool story. You really do. Joey, you're, uh, you're now what? What would you, second generation uh, Nazarene? Uh, Third Nazarene. Third generation,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: And um, so, actually,
2: generation wise, minister wise, third generation. Yeah, um, Nazarene wise, fifth generation.
0: Fifth generation Nazarene.
2: Yeah, my great grandparents were Nazarenes. My great, my great grandmother was a Nazarene.
0: Yeah. See, I didn't even
1: know that. I thought, I thought Papa—that's Al Wood. I call him Papa. I, I thought Papa's parents were the first Nazarenes. But no, it was
2: nannies, um
1: Parents, parents? Yes. Okay.
2: Wow. Yeah, my, great, my great-grandmother. Wow.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know, but being the fact that we have pretty broad um, um, uh, listening base now, starting to build it, you know, um, it, it's pretty cool, uh, really, to see some of the areas that are listening to other countries, listening to us. Um, yeah. We probably ought to tell them a little bit of what Nazarene is. Nazarene, we, we basically are a, a, a sister church to the Methodist uh, back in, uh, early 1900s, like 1900, 1908, uh, yep. our birth date really. And, um, the thing about that is, is that, uh, uh, we, we, we spawned off of the, of the Methodist church. Um, so our, our theology is a Wesleyan holiness theology. And so I'm throwing some big words out to our listeners. Feel free to go look it up. Uh, you can go to Nazarene.org and, yeah. uh, that'll give you a good, uh, base on, on who we are and, and we're part of a, a, a denomination. It's a really huge denomination, 160 plus countries I think we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool and, and yeah, it's a blessing. I've, I've always said this, I'm appreciative of the Nazarene church of help, or allowing me to fulfill the call that, that I've had in, uh, to, to preach. So, Hey, well, let me, let me go into it real quick. Um, I, I know that Steve, we, you and I talked about this, our last podcast with you, but, Joey, I, I just was curious about how how has ministry uh, affected you since you've seen it as as a grandchild, as mm-hmm. as a son, uh, and now you're in ministry. how mm-hmm. How has a, how has ministry affected you?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I I tell people, and I, I think I shared this at Olivet when I was in in. Ministry classes because they always, you know, help you. They want to know all about you. They want you to form your testimony. They want you to form, you know, your story how you how you got to where you are. And so I always told people that I grew up, and I really didn't know anything but uh, the love of Jesus. Like I I did, I didn't have like a super powerful, you know, testimony that I thought at the time. I was like, oh man, you know, I don't have any, you know, big downs in my life. Like I, my parents were always serving people. Uh, my mom's a, t- a school teacher for, you know, all of her professional life. And my dad, uh, has been a pastor and my grandfather's been a pastor. And my grandmother's been playing keyboard with my grandfather at our churches. And so I really knew nothing but Christian service and, and love. And so, you know, it wasn't easy all the time because, uh, then you enter into, uh, things of you get to see all the sides of ministry, right? You get to see the good things you get to see, uh, the wins, and the, and just the incredible things that, uh, you get to, it's a gift to be a part of people's lives and their spiritual journeys at certain times, weddings, funerals, you know, of course the big things, but, you know, even the small discipleship things, uh, little victories and things you get to see all those things, but you also get to see the really, you know, human side of people, uh, and the, and the way that they, you know, treat each other, and the way they treat your folks, and, and ministry is such a unique thing, in the fact is you just, you kind of live in a glass house, essentially. I mean, people, I, I heard somebody tell me this in, in school, or, or, a, or a pastor friend of mine, he said, um, you know, people don't really pay you for what you do. They pay you for who you are,
2: mm.
1: and, wow. and so they you know, they really do. I mean, if you don't have the character, if you're not living the, the life that Jesus has called you to, it's really, it's really, really difficult thing. If you don't have a call uh, in ministry, it's really a hard thing to fulfill that call or take on this vocation. So it's a really, really unique job in that sense. And so, but I guess the way I would start is, you know, I grew up in the church. And so my dad was a pastor and around when I was in uh, I think it was sixth grade, uh, he felt led to start a church plant. And I, I don't remember, I can't remember on their podcast that they talked a whole lot about that. So let me, stop me if, if you guys talked about that a lot. But from my perspective, when they started that church plant, I thought that was just incredible. And I really didn't know anything other than, oh, yay, we're going to have a big youth group out in... My school, where I go to school at, and so I, I was, you know, I was stoked to play dodgeball with all my friends, and yeah. and so you know that that ended up forming in me something of of an outreach for other people. For you go to where the people are, that kind of mindset of of how Jesus would minister to people. You know, he would go to where they were um, and spend the time with them. And so, th- in my mind already as a young child, as a as an adolescent, I was starting to build this framework of how to see the world um, where. You know the church doesn't sit inside the walls. The church goes outside the walls. The church goes into the community, and so that was already beginning to be instilled in me um, that that's how ministry should be done. And so I was really, really thankful for. I look back now. You know, I wasn't able to articulate that when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> I just want to throw a dodgeball at somebody, but uh, uh, or
2: stay away from Ryan Cross when he threw one.
1: Oh man, that guy had a he had a zinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. He,
2: he did Ronald. a gym. Yeah, he dented Jim Walls with that throw many times.
1: Many Very times, long. yeah. Oh,
0: it's good. Uh, yeah,
1: so that 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 kind of mentality formed the way that I saw the church, um, and you know, it kind of reminds me. You asked me how it affect affected me, how the church has affected me, and I'll and I'll get to like my ministry and everything. But I think it all, you know, everything builds on everything. So you're the the experiences you have when you're young, you know, it just kind of builds on your framework of the way you think about the world. And, you know, everything is, there's so much joy and there's so much pain that sit right alongside each other all the time. And I think we see that amplified even more now in this year and how crazy things are, but you know, there's, there's really important things happening too. And so that's kind of how I guess I would describe how it affected me. So I would see, you know, really, really painful things. Like I would see church people Talk about my family, talk about my dad, talk about them in a negative way and but then also we would share in the joys with them you know like uh, we would sit with them in in the hospital or, or really really tough times, and so yeah you you have this kind of positive joy and this negative that comes side by side, and so you know it can affect you negatively and and i and i wouldn't I would be lying if I said that i you know, didn't let some of those things affect me because it's just hard. It's hard to shake some of those things that you hear and see unless you process through that with somebody, unless you pray about that and, and don't let that, um, that resentment, that bitterness build up inside of you. And so it's definitely a choice that you have to make, you know, are you going to let this bitterness, uh, are you going to see the people the way that I guess really the world sees people? Or are you going to see the way that God sees people? Mm-hmm. And so there's a choice you have to make there of how am I going to look at the people that God has called us to serve which is everybody but
0: yeah if I so, can interject real quick um, cuz I'm just trying to think from the perspective of someone who, who would be not in ministry and listening mm-hmm. to this podcast mm-hmm. and, and and maybe one of the questions they might ask in regards to this would be is what 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 necessarily would would deem something negative uh, what, so what story or what situation uh, that comes to mind for you that you could help them uh, explain to them, um, well, this is what happened and this is what I mean about how, how harsh people can be or how cruel some people can be. We were, I'll give you a quick example. My wife and I were sitting down. We we're talking at this table, actually. Uh, we're sitting down talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, we were sharing with them a, a, um, a pretty rough time in our ministry. Um, and, and these are Nazarenes, So they, they, you know, they know the whole, uh, of history of the Nazarene church and such. And, and I remember them looking at me and, and I'm, I remember saying to them cause they had this look in their face and I was like, I, I want you to know, I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. I know pastors are known to be exaggerators and all that kind of stuff. And we, you know, boy, it was an eight inch fish. And you know, four years later it was 12, you know? So, um, <laughs> But I understand it, but we weren't making it up. And I think they, they just looked and they were like, they they couldn't understand it because from the context of what they've lived, they've never heard of somebody doing something like that. So so what what might be something that 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 you know that you looked at when you when you, when we were talking about this off camera or off mic, and I told you some of the questions we we're going to ask. What what was maybe the first thing you thought of? What's the story that maybe if you would be willing to share? That, that really uh you know that's what a basis for you to go and say yeah this is this is what I'm talking about this is a, a, a negative thing that that really uh, uh you know happened in our ministry or yeah. dads or grandpas.
1: Yeah, I, I, thinking of somebody's perspective who who isn't in ministry who maybe is thinking about these things, I, I would go back to the first time that I felt like I was really hurt by the church um, before I was a pastor even, um, because I feel like people who, you know, they hear pastors talk about the church and like, well, of course, you know, you're, you're a pastor, you're going to experience negative things. But I remember even as a kid, uh, just hearing the stories of how everything Um, ended up at the church that I grew up at as a child so we ended up having to kind of go out and start this church plant because that church had you know said you know we really don't want your dad to be the pastor anymore and so they ended up voting or coming close to a vote I'm not really sure all the details but in my mind they didn't want my dad to be their pastor and so that that to me I was like man why wouldn't anybody why would nobody want my dad to be the pastor you know so so for me that rejection of the people saying no to my dad and it felt like saying no to me then yeah, no to our family personal, didn't you yeah 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 cuz you know it's hard to it, yeah so it, that was that was a big big hurt for me as a church and it, and so i started you know thinking and i think i it, it, those thoughts didn't resonate in my mind for a little while because we had started this new ministry and so you you were, we were able to kind of I guess as a child, I was able to kind of like get behind this new thing that we were doing. It's okay; I don't really have to deal with that. But later on in college, when I started going through classes and learning about uh, the struggles of ministry and those kind of things, I I, I revisited those memories. And I was like, man! And so I had to work through it, kind of again. Of yeah. you know, there's a lot of grace that has to be given to to people and to pastors on both sides. And so you know that's really what I think about when I think about the first time that I was hurt by the church was this, this rejection.
2: We, um, the thing that happened, um, just real brief background on that. It was a church meeting. The district had gotten, we had started this ministry on Wednesday night and it had been going for about three years and it had gone from six kids to 26 kids. And then finally we were, um, decided we go into our community and the principal said, "Hey, come into our school and use our school." And the rec, the YMCA, the local recreational center said, "Come in and use our, you know, open little vestibule. We'd call it a foyer at a church, yeah. um, which was a big multi-purpose room, and use it." And so, at the time, there was an offer given to this local church that I pastored, and this local church had gotten like a lot of churches where nobody lived around the church because of economic depression. Um, socioeconomic situations, most of them had moved out into suburbs around our area. and the local university that was bordered the property of this church gave us an offer of three hundred and thirty six thousand dollars for this property. I don't think they'll ever see that offer again, because the university has gone the other direction on purpose um, in building. Right. Um, so the district leaders, in fact, it was our denominational church planner. Um, he went to that meeting with me. And our idea was, is let's take that money, um, sell this particular location, split that money in half, send half of it to a rapidly growing area where the majority of our people of that local church lived, and take the other half and go out to this community where we lived and start a, a work out there and have some financial backing. In fact, the denominational leader, our denominational church planner said, this will be the most money I've ever seen us have in our state to start a church and um, and man, some of these like church meetings can go and it doesn't matter what denomination I've heard from my Baptist brothers and other denominations. They have the same kind of meetings. People who hadn't voted in any church election, hadn't been at church in years show up. (laughs) And so what Joey is remembering is his dad standing up in front of that meeting, because this, This movement of God was going on, and my heart always cried out for others. Before Joey was born, we had a a foster son live with us um, for a year. And um, Joey, I just connected with Jamie on Facebook. He asked me about you, um, (laughs) one of the first things. He asked how big you were because he remembers (laughs) you as a two-year-old. And so I'm just saying it was just – and so I stand up in front of the folks and I said, "Well, obviously, because it it was getting very contentious in this meeting, people were speaking out." And um, I remember one lady said, "Why don't you, pointing to me, just leave and go do what you want, and leave our church alone." And um, and so as you can
1: Joe, imagine,
0: as this... Joe, Joe, you were in that meeting. Uh,
1: I I don't remember specifically. I, everything now is okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, he was. The, wow. Yeah, because we were excited because there was, out of that, let's, I, I don't remember the number in in the room. Let's say out of that 50 people that were in the room, 20 were excited about what was going to happen because their kids were already involved out there in that community.
0: Right.
2: Um, we had brought them to church. They were our neighbors that the Lord had helped us win the church. Yeah. Deborah Sloan, pastor, who goes to our okay. church now. Yeah. yeah. And, And their family members and other community family members um, were a part of our church in town. And they were excited that this was going to happen. And um, the district was excited for the possibility of what could happen in the other part of the town that was rapidly growing. And um, so I finally, when I saw this was going to be a very, I remember I'm expecting the district leader to lead this for me. And I remember him looking at me and he, he just walks over to me and goes, well, this didn't go the way we wanted. So what do you want to say now? And I go, <laughs> I go, what? Up. <laughs> yeah,
0: batter up. <laughs> yeah. You're up, buddy.
2: Yeah. So oh, I man. stood up, I stood up and I said, listen, folks, I said, I never want to ever split a church. Yeah. I said, I, I want to follow Jesus. And Jesus is obviously working on my heart and he's not working on some of yours to go to follow this direction.
0: <laughs> right. You know,
2: right. You yeah. know, Cause I didn't want to make it into a spiritual issue. For right. Me. Yeah. But, um, so that's, that's what Joey is remembering the result of. And, um, of course, after that immediately happened, there was nothing but joy in ministry for us because it was so exciting.
0: Good. Yeah. yeah. So Joe, you, you, uh, do you find yourself, uh, you said that you've, you've kind of had to, after you uh, grown up, you've had to kind of, uh, process that, like, mm-hmm. um, what, how, how have you, um, you know, maybe processed it, but how have you been able to work, um, through that and, and how have you kept that away from, uh, being something that, uh, that, that's, uh, still maybe, um, in, in connected to your ministry. What I mean by that is, is that I've had bad situations in churches and and I've left that church and, and taken another church, not because of those bad situations, but just because of, you know, the Nazarene way, uh, and I've gone to another church one of the things that I have tried to do is to never take the bad experiences from that church and, and walk it into this new church. It's not fair to that congregation, Sure. what I've gone through, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you try to do that. Um, is that something though? Have, what, what, did, what did you learn from this experience and, 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 and allowed it to come into your ministry?
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a really good question. I, I wish I could say that the things that have hurt me and, uh, you know, affected the way that I see the church, the way that I seek faith, the way that I see pastoring, I wish I could say that it was, you know, oh, I, 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 you know, I processed that for about six months. And then when I signed up for my next youth group, you know, I, I was ready to go. Um, that's just not the truth. I, I feel like even at my current assignment, you know, there's things that have happened in previous churches that I, it's like the Lord needed to, um, this, this, the place that I'm in now is a very, very healthy place. And so it's, it's almost like serving people, um, uh, loving Jesus, uh, doing the right things. It's almost like this process of ministering has helped me work through some of those things. You know, I, I have, uh, mentors and I have, uh, pastors who are friends that I, I talk to and, and, you know, in, especially in those times of crisis, like at a church when something is going on or, or, you know, maybe I just left a church situation or something like that. I would call them and yeah. say, Hey, I really need your, I need your help. Am I seeing this the right way? Am I, right. Right. Uh, this is what I'm feeling. And, and they, and they're so gracious. And I think that's so important for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or yeah, anybody yeah. you need, Friends, you need people in your life that you can uh, talk to and be very open and honest. And saying, you know, this is how I'm feeling about this. I want to throw the towel in. I don't want to do this again because of this. And so, I mean, just the most raw, honest things. Those are people that that you can really lean on and talk to. That, and they
0: that's your inner circle, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that's
0: your yeah. that's that's what you're developing inner circle. How, how much of of your grandfather and your dad, are, are they part of that inner circle? And I'm not saying that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying, have you, do you have that kind of relationship?
1: Yeah. My my dad and I are super close. Uh, but we, especially when I was in high school, I mean, man, we would share everything together. And so I think that was kind of unique because I don't think, at least in my group of friends, I don't think they shared as much with their dad as I had shared with mine and, and felt comfortable to share with mine. And so, yeah, my dad was definitely a sounding board of somebody I could run ideas off of, talk to about things. And, and I mean, when I talk about people who have discipled me, my dad is like number one person in my life who's Mm -hmm. discipled me and, 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 you know, instilled in me, the things of faith, the things, uh, who has, who have created me to be the person that I am today. I mean, those years when he had the courage to stand up and say, Hey, you know what? I need to follow Jesus. I saw that. I saw that. And, and that informed my faith at that point on that, that crafted me all those years of middle school when we started that church. And when he said, you know, yes, we're going to do this. Those, those things are the things that got me into ministry today. I received my call at, uh, I guess I was 17 years old right before I went off to all of that for my freshman year out of that church plant. Like that was where I accepted my call to preach was because I felt the Lord was calling me to preach. I, I had seen the things that my dad had done. And, and I, you know, tried to think, I don't really want to do this because I leaned on the fact that man, this can really hurt people. Remember when you were little, you saw this happen. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I tried to go away from that, but there's just something about, um, being bathed in the community of faith, seeing the way that a life of service is lived. I mean, there's no other way that I could live. And so those years really formed who I am today and and kind of brought me to where I am now.
0: Good, good.
2: As far as mentors go, I don't know. um, I don't think I've been one of his mentors in the ministry because I— I kind of, like with his younger brother who was pastoring for a while, when they would tell me things like when his younger brother and I would be playing golf because his younger brother lives closer, and he would tell me something that went on at his church, Um, I learned real quickly with my sons, they're my sons, and so when I say something, I'm speaking as their father, and they really need other input as adults, and so I would back off Um, and I've done this more with his younger brother and say, I knew of two mentors that his younger brother had. And I say, well, what do you think this pastor and this pastor would say if you called them about this? Um, and I learned to do that. Um, and with Joey, Joey's natural instinct is to do that kind of thing anyway. And so he's been blessed with a lot of great mentors in his life through ministry that he's been able to call besides leaning on his grandfather and I we've kept that relationship as a family family yeah, yeah. and uh, i don't know if that makes any sense now i call him all the time and he and i talk shop what would you say joey probably 70 percent of the time
1: yeah yeah because yeah.
2: i'll call him when he's in the office or he'll call me and we'll talk shop because yeah. we both happen to be doing the same thing in the same denomination right yeah. um and then the other most important thing we talk about is his two children
0: <laughs> I understand completely. Yeah. We just did a grand a grandchild tour. Uh oh, yeah. went over to Maryland and went over to Highland yeah. back down. And and it was uh, funny, and we were telling somebody, uh I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, Yeah, we're going up to see our grandson over here, our two grandsons and then over here to see our granddaughter. He said, So you're not going to see your kids? I said, No, we're going to see the grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> they probably feel that way now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Matter of fact, when we get there, you guys can take off. We'll watch the kids for you. Go, go, uh-huh. go on a date or something. We don't care. But oh, yeah. They're, they're, I guarantee you they're listening to this going, yeah, that's right. That, that's that. Hey,
2: Joey, <laughs> so, Pastor, when Joey, when you call your mentors, when I was your age, and I called my mentors, and that, uh-huh. was, that was your uncle, who was also a minister, and that was my dad, um, but usually my dad's opinion didn't mean as much. And right. I can honestly say that now it means more. Yeah, because I look at him at his age and his yeah. wisdom yeah. and his heart again. And, and so but back then I would call I remember I'd call the pastor of that large church where I, it was a college church, you know, large. And he was more like a CEO type thing. I would call him. I would call my uncle and I would call one of my professors that I could still call from college that was still living. Yeah. And um, and I would ask them the same question and write down their answers.
0: Yeah so and, what we're saying is really um you know and and I I I think sometimes pastors hear this I just don't think they put it into practice. Uh yeah. and that is the idea of mentorship of peer to peer um you know uh, conversations and 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 I I have some guys that that I matter of fact all around uh the states um that that I I'll, I'll call and say hey you know uh, let me run something by you Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that. And, and I do too. You know, and so it is, but it's, it, I think it's vital. I, I think because yeah. if not, you kind of get yourself out there where you're almost like on an island and yeah. you're all by yourself and that's exactly where the enemy wants you. He wants you all by yourself so then he can toy with you and he yeah. can mess with you and you can screw some things up,
2: you know, mm-hmm. just
0: by, you know, make, making some rash decisions or whatever. So, hey, well, yeah. let, me, let me move on. Um, I want to talk about um, you know, when, when we're talking about ministry and, it, and this is for both of you, uh, Joey, we'll, we'll give you the, the first on it, but did you, have you found that being real as a minister, I mean, just trying to be authentic and real to people, has it been easy for you? Has it been hard? Has it been unattainable? All the why's and why's nots?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I don't think there's any way any other way kind of we talked about this earlier. I don't really think there's any other way to do ministry. I think you have to be authentic. Uh you have to be because people especially because I'm a I'm a middle school pastor, but I've been a youth pastor for a long time and kids man, they they know when you're being fake. They know when you're trying to put stuff on, man. They they can sniff that stuff out a mile away because they're looking for people who are, who are authentic. These generations that are coming up now, they're looking for people who are real um, because they, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of divorce. There's a lot of broken families. And and so there's just a lot of kids who are looking for who are the authentic adults in my life who are really caring for me. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think that carries over to pastoring as well. People are looking for authentic relationships They're looking for, because not all of us need to be in, those uh caring relationships not just pastors anybody we we need to have those uh communities and i love the church for the fact that it's for thousands of years has been a place where those communities have come together around one thing which is jesus christ and so they they center around this this you know this this idea and so um yeah
0: Mm, it's good steve
2: all right. Ask me the question again. Cause I was listening to my son.
0: Well, I so said, do, do you feel like being real as a pastor? Has it been easy? Has it been hard? Has it been unattainable? Why or why not?
2: Man, in my, I've always been real. Um, but as I've gotten more along in ministry, I've become more guarded. I'm afraid. Mm. um, And
0: I'm only real with a
1: few people. Yeah, Um, I was just at a a retreat this week that they talked about this. It was was a guy who had his doctorate in pastoral burnout. (laughs) I didn't know you could get a doctorate in that. But he (laughs) talked about the difference between transparency and vulnerability. He said, you know, as pastors, we have to be transparent with everybody. We have to live our lives like we were talking about. You know, people don't pay us for what we do. They pay us for who we are. Like people need to know who we are and and things that we do but there's people who were vulnerable with only a few you know like our mentors uh our wives our spouses yeah okay and so there's there's a difference there yeah because i think people think oh man i gotta be real in front of everybody and that means you gotta be like vulnerable to the point of where they could hurt you you know with the things that you share with them and they said no he said no you don't need to be vulnerable with everybody because not everybody needs the ammo to take you down. <laughs> you right, know? Right. And so, but he said, you do need to be transparent with everybody so that, you know, you are living authentically. you know? So
2: Yeah. Well that's because that's, that, that really rings true with what, what he's, what I feel is I've always been authentic. Um, and of course in the process, I mean, we've had so many people in our home, so many of his friends that were a part of that youth group ministry yeah. Yeah. that literally, and one of them has become his brother, and two of them, and they live. I mean, and two of them are my grandchildren. Two of uh, two other children um, are my grandchildren. And oh my goodness, I had to be authentic because those kids saw me in my home. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah. saw me all the time, right? And so they knew me who I was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you got to be what authentic all the time. Yeah. And um,
1: I've and tried. I've tried to live. I've tried to live that way because I saw that model. I saw that, you know, modeled in the sense of my friends would come over and they'd spend the night and we, my parents were so cool. They wanted to be the house, you know, where everybody wanted to go to. And so my friends would come home and they'd see Pastor Steve at home. And that was, I think that is a lot of the reason why we went from whatever, how many kids to a lot of kids because they saw, you know, somebody who's living their life the same way at youth group, the same way at church. Yeah. the same way, you know, at work everywhere, because a lot of them helped with uh, your side job as well at the newspaper. They would come, they would come with us everywhere. And so they would see, Literally. yeah, they would see how you lived um, when you weren't there. And I think, I think there's something attractive when, when Christians live authentically the way that uh, Jesus has called us to, yeah. I think there's just a natural, like, man, I don't have to be guarded. I don't have to be scared. You know, I don't have to be a certain way to gain people's affection. I'm already loved. I'm already loved here. And so I don't have to be anyway. Um, but that, that's hard because, you know, when you mess up, you mess up in front of everybody, you know, so you have to uh, deal with those, those things as well. Say, I'm sorry. And and change. Right.
0: Right. Or you just get up there and blame somebody else. I'm (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm joking. It is because, um, you know i i I sit in, in just even this during this ministry they're during this time of ministry here that we've been in the last seven eight months, uh which has been just uh awful know, uh, <laughs> brutal you know um, brutal yeah, and so i i've just been I've been real and authentic from the pulpit with the congregation of saying look i I know you're looking at me for the answers I don't have them I, mm-hmm. I don't." I'm, matter of fact, I'm, I'm kind of confused, just as confused as you are. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting just as yeah. you are. And, um, I'm just letting you know that, um, yeah. I, I believe that we're going to get through it, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm just letting them know. And I think, you know, as parent, I think parenting is a lot like ministry and ministry is a lot like parenting. What I mean by that is, and, and a lot of people are going, yeah, duh, it is, but, um, <laughs> what I mean by that is, is that I, I have found that my, my kids, um, you remember, uh, there, there are kids out there have never seen their father cry or there are kids out there that have never seen their, you know, mom cry or whatever, or be, uh, emotional. Um, because you know dad's dad specifically, uh, try to put on this front. So as, as I was raising my kids, I didn't want to set up some false expectation for them that when they went off, got married, and, and they had their first fight with their, their wife, because, by the way, they will have their first fight with their wife, and um, that they're ready to call it quits because they're like, this is nothing like what I saw from my, my mom and dad. My mom and dad never fought because, to be honest with you, they did. They just hid it from you. Mm-hmm. And so not that we fought in front of our kids, but, but we, our kids knew that we argued and we had disagreements or whatever, but they also knew that we made up. And so just as they saw the arguments, they saw the makeups as well, you know, the hugging and kissing and asking for forgiveness. And it was usually me saying, I was sorry. Um, so, um, <laughs> this is why my wife's not here today. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But it, it's, you know, ministry, I think it's the same way. I think, you know, standing behind the pulpit and, and being authentic and real and saying, um, you know what I'm, I'm just as hurt as you are, or I'm just as confused. I've, I've, I've even said it from the pulpit, uh, during this time to look, I, I'm, I, I, this is all new. I didn't have a class for this. <laughs> there was yeah. no, you know, a COVID-19, you know, class that we took in college. I got mm-hmm. a master's degree in ministry. Didn't have a class on this. I said, so what, what I asked is, could you just give us some grace Yeah no. and help us? Cause I mean, you're getting it, Yeah. you're getting it from both sides, you know, I yeah. mean, you're not mm-hmm. pleasing anybody. You know, yeah. this person's mad. I'll just, we're just going back to church service, and the other people are going, Well, how dare you, uh, uh, don't require me put masks on and all this? And I'm getting it from everything. And so yeah. I just asked, Man, could you just give us some grace? And, yeah. and I think we ask the same thing with our kids, don't we, Steve? Could you just yeah. give us some grace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, I think, going? Um, I'm sorry. Oh, has-
1: I was just going to say something about this season and the way that it's affected me and th- some things that I've learned through this season. And you kind of touched on it when you were talking about how you were being, you know, real with the congregation saying, I really don't know the answers. And I I have all the sympathy in the world to all of the lead pastors out there. Um, you know, I'm not in that role right now, but I just can't imagine, you know, getting your board talking to you, you you know, your staff talking to you, the people talking to you. There's just so many things coming at you. And so I I've been Fortunate during the season to be one rung down the the pole as far as getting all of those complaints and everything, but man, you know we pray for our pastor all the time because he's just had to make some decisions that I w- I would hate to have to make. But one of the things that I've learned during this time is this this lost art of lamenting, of yeah. saying, "God, yeah. I we need you." this yeah. things are not good right now and just you know lamenting the fact that things aren't the way they should be um but we know who you are and we know that you're good and we know that we can depend on you and so teaching people i think that's what people's, especially americans we try to let's do the next thing let's let's go on let's let's build let's start doing something and for a long time we couldn't build or do anything we just had to be human beings not human doings and so we it was it was really tough, especially when we were quarantined and all that kind of stuff. But I think that I've learned through this that it's okay to lament. It's okay to say, you know, God, things are not good, and I need you right now. So it's not fun to be
2: person. God, but, and, God, I'm not good right now. Yeah. Um, I've had to say that a few times. Yep. God, I'm really – I've never in my life felt this way before.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, yeah. think
2: I've actually experienced what they call depression yep. and it, Joey grew up with me and I'm a wild and crazy guy and I am typically not the one who feels depressed. Yeah. And uh, I've even called him and his younger brother and said, Hey, I'm having some weird feelings. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I actually, you know, during this time had, had yeah. to go see a counselor and yeah, um, that's awesome. You know, just, uh, um, you know, for me and, mm-hmm. yeah, to, to help us that. validate
2: that it's okay yeah
0: exactly yeah exactly. yeah well let me uh let me move on then um you know we talked about you you said you're married of course steve uh your lovely bride uh is is uh is is away right now she's at school teaching um your your wife uh, joey is a stay-at-home mom uh okay. so she's she's able to be very flexible and be able to go with you certain places do certain things and all that kind of stuff where where does she fit into
1: uh, the, the ministry area that you're at right now. Yeah. So I'm really, really sad right now for this season because she was one of my small group leaders. So she was one of the leaders uh, under my middle school ministry who was working hands-on with, uh, sixth, seventh grade and eighth grade girls. She would work with them. Um, she stayed with one group in sixth grade and then moved with them every year. And so she's gotten really close to this group of girls, but, uh, she's now, graduated with them to the ninth grade so she's no longer with me and in you know directly with me serving and so I'm just so bummed to not have her with me this year but but that's what she's been doing with us for the past couple years is she's been leading her own uh, little discipleship group of middle school girls and and she does such a good job I mean I had to be careful not to make her the example (laughs) for all my other leaders just because I just love the way she ministers to the girls and she's just got such a um such a gift for doing that um but but yeah that's that's what we've been doing for that past couple of years and i just love her she loves middle schoolers just like i do she has her uh undergraduate in teaching or sorry not her undergrad she has a master's in teaching and so with hopes of going back and teaching middle school or some kind of uh school but um but yeah so that's kind of her heart and her passion is is for young people too
0: good good so tell me um with with this whole aspect of just being real being able to do that I know one of the struggles that my wife had when we came into ministry, other than the fact that she was so grateful that God never called her to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> so, um,
1: but to, I, heard, I heard that episode where you oh guys were talking goodness.
0: about that. Dude, it was, yeah. Yeah. So um, she, she kind of felt like she had to fit a mold. <sighs> she thought that she had to look the part she had mm. to uh, play the part, so to speak um did you did your wife kind of feel like that or how has she dealt with this idea of just being able to be real or did she feel like she was playing a role
1: yeah she she for sure never thought she was going to marry a pastor um but, and, and I even took it a step further. She was going to be a, I, I said her undergraduate was teaching her. Her undergraduate was actually exercise science. And so she was going to be a physical therapist, okay. which looking back now, <laughs> I think it would have benefited us a lot better for her to go into that. Yeah. But, but we just, you know, we, we were young, we fell in love. And, and so I, you know, was sharing her heart, my heart for ministry and what I wanted to do. And she's like, well, I have always wanted to be a teacher. And I was like, "Why don't you do it? Just do it. Go back and you know." And so she she graduated from college, went back, and started a master's in teaching. And so she ended up changing her whole trajectory, um, kind of just <laughs> on where she thought she really wanted to go. And and it ends up that's what she wanted to do. But when we entered into ministry together, um, you know, we were, gosh, I was 21, 22, somewhere around there. So we were really we were really young. And our first church we we went into, they were very kind because they didn't say we're hiring you and her. They said, we're just hiring you. We're not hiring Stephanie. I think that helped her a lot in understanding, you know, that they've hired my husband, they haven't hired me, you know, so they didn't get all these bonus uh, benefits of, and so I, and I I knew to look for that too. So that was one of the things that I think even my generation of ministers, hopefully if they've you know gone to a good, uh, good, program they've learned that you know you look for these kind of things don't don't let them hire your wife as a bonus you know did you you learn in
0: school or did you learn that through your from your dad and grandpa both both
1: both. i mean yeah school definitely was the formal way but you know because mom and nanny they were always there and they were always willing to help um Mm -hmm. but but yeah no i did have i did have a couple classes where they they talked about specifically, you know, protecting your spouse, um, being somebody who was hired by the church, you know, I, they hired me, they didn't hire her. And so I was very vocal about that as well with them. And I think I, I helped her in that way of relieving her from having to be at everything and do everything. And was so she we
2: raised in the church.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she was, she attended church her whole life. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, but nobody in her family were pastors or anything like that. So she didn't know this side of ministry.
0: Right. Um, um Joey, if you, I guess, if you could say anything to the church, Big C Church, mm-hmm. uh, to the congregates uh, members, to, to just help them uh, in connecting with their pastor and their families, what, what 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 would that be? What would you want them to know?
1: I I think I would. First of all, I would say pray for your pastor and their family. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't I know that sounds really trite and kind of, you know, oh of course you would say that you're a pastor, but there is something about the way you will think about and the way you will approach your pastor if you've prayed for them already. So if you if you've already thought in private, I want the best for my pastor and his family, the way that the next thing that you say to them, the next thing that you think about them is gonna be helpful. <laughs> I think. I think right the next thing that you do for them is going to be really helpful. And I think even if you don't even, you know, like your pastor, like there's probably a lot of people who are frustrated with the way their pastor handled maybe this, this season, but I still think you pray for your pastor, you respect them um, enough to say, you know what, I'm going to pray for them and their family. Um, And so I, that, that would be my, that would be the only thing that I would say is really just pray for them because it's going to orient your entire the way of who you are and the way you think about them, it's going to change that. So I right. think we all need to do that. But yeah, that's what I would say.
0: Good. Good. Um, then I guess the final question would be is if, if you could say something or anything to the pastor to, to help them in connecting with their church families and such, what would that be? Hmm.
1: specifically connecting to families, Mm -hmm. I would, you know, (laughs) you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I would say pray for your families. Uh, I think sometimes we get into the, the rhythm and mode of I'm studying the scripture, I'm praying for, or to accomplish a sermon or to accomplish a study Bible study or something. And so I think there's something important as a pastor. You need to make sure that you're taking time to discipline yourself spiritually by praying for your people, because again, you're gonna. It's going to change the way that your heart, uh, or even remind you of why you're where you are. Which I think is so incredibly important of reminding yourself of why you do what you do, um, and and you're you're doing it because God has called you to do it. Um, but. Right you know that you're also shepherding these people and so i think it'll turn your heart towards them as well if you if you pray for them and so and if both both sides are doing that i think there's a beautiful thing that's going to happen there um we're going to be the church and we're going to be able to, to uh see god's kingdom come here on earth when they when people who aren't inside the church don't understand what we're about when they see people from different backgrounds people who don't agree praying for each other and loving each other in spite of those differences, in spite of the way that they vote, in spite of the way that they look, man, there is something beautifully powerful about the kingdom of God that's represented when people love each other who don't look the same as each other or don't think the same as each other.
0: Yeah. yeah. Man, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, hey, I know I didn't tell you this, um, but I always kind of like to end with a little uh, humorous story. Pastor Steve, you, you got something there, buddy? <laughs> Huh? Yeah. um I I I would love to uh, just just you know cuz we have we've experienced in ministry some crazy stuff some humor, humorous stuff um some some really uh, wild stuff in our own personal lives and 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 like I said I I tell people all the time and the things I'm sharing with you I'm not making this up this happened to us you know and so uh what's what what probably is the most craziest funniest you know just just most outlandish thing that's happened to you in ministry i
1: i have one in mind do you have one dad that you comes to the top of your mind okay why don't you share yours first
2: well mine is just recently happened um i'm 58 so being 58 and with my wife being a schoolteacher, we're blessed to have good health insurance, which is a huge thing for ministers' families. One thing I'd say to the congregants, congregants, make sure your pastors are taken care of. I
0: know it's you So,
2: In the last two appointments, one of them I have a sciatic nerve problem, so I get a steroid injection from time to time, and the last time I go to get a steroid injection is they're wheeling me into the room. Now, all I've got on is the gown, because for the steroid (laughs) injection, they have to do it through the gluteus maximus. (laughs) (laughs) And which means it's, and the first time I experienced it was with some older lady who just grabbed my gown and flung it open and started (laughs) cleaning the area that's about to be, which is my bottom. Well, this last time, when I go in there, all of a sudden, as I will in the room, I hear a young, pretty voice from a young, pretty girl Pastor Steve, it's so good to see you. And I said, darling, you're about to see a part of Pastor Steve you don't want to see. Well, the doctor walks into the room about that time, and he goes, y'all know each other? And so then I had to tell him, yes. So then I go to a colonoscopy doctor for the... There's more? There's more. (laughs) To the colonoscopy doctor, who also when I go in the nurse practitioner walks in the office and this is during COVID time, she's got a mask on. I got a mask on. And she goes, pastor Steve, another voice, pretty young lady. I'm going to be taking So I told my wife the other day, I said, I have been in, a, in a, the city way too long because yeah. <laughs> if there is one of those young, pretty girls that I've pastored, who's in her thirties and now, and at the proctile at the urologist, when I go for a prostate exam, God help us all. <laughs> oh,
1: and, uh-oh,
2: did he pause again? Oh, no. Oh, he's there. No, I'm
0: good. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, I I don't know if I can beat that story. <laughs> <at all.
2: laughs> Sorry, son. You still let me go last.
1: Yeah, I should have. Shoot. I, I, no, I was just going to say I did, I, did a, uh, I did a funeral recently, which is not funny. That's not the funny part. I <laughs> I... Uh, did a funeral where um, one of the, the deceased, one of his grandchildren, was sitting in the front row. There's a lot of kids there. Um, and, you know, funerals during this season are very weird because it, everybody's spaced out. Everybody's got masks on and all those kind of things. And so at this point, I'd been visiting, meeting with the family, talking with them, kind of preparing for the service and everything. And I, I had not, none of them have seen me without a mask. They had all just seen me masked up, and, you know, and that's just how we do things. So... I get up for the first time to the podium and uh, take off my mask to kind of say the opening thoughts and, and just kind of greet the congregation. And then that grandson, he stands up on a chair and he goes, whoa, you look so different without a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And yes. I just,
1: oh, and then it, the hijinks went crazy from there. I mean, we had a toddler break loose and tried to jump into the casket.
0: It was it was oh. crazy. But oh. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm reminded of a story with uh, my son, Logan, who I don't know if, I don't think I've shared this on the podcast, but he, um we were at a revival at another church. I think it was our home church actually. And he's like six, five, six years old, something like that. And the, the minister, the, the evangelist was praying and in his prayer, he used the word hell and my son calls him out on it So we're sitting on the front row and he goes he says something in in this prayer and he uses the word hell he's talking about hell the the literal hell you know and and he so he says um so my son just calls him out he says oh i mean just like that oh he used the bad word <laughs> <Like> that, right <laughs> so we we kind of regain him a little bit calming down well that prompts a conversation all the way home right yeah and sure. so i have to explain to him the difference between using the word hell out of context and and using it in a prayer and talking about you know keeping people from going to hell okay so, so I'm explaining to that. I'm saying, there's a difference, you know, we're trying to people get people to, to not go to hell. And so, you know, that's where the, the, the devil lives. That's, you know, I'm trying to give him something that's attainable for his age that he'll understand. Sure. So that conversation I thought, I thought went well, I thought we covered it, you know? So I think it may have been a week, two weeks later. And, and we'd kind of forgotten all about it. We're at a restaurant. Okay. And we're sitting there. And and we're just talking, and Logan was a talker, man. He wanted, he liked to talk to you, and so he's telling us a story and everything. And, and he said, uh, he said, you know, I had I had a dream about that one guy, uh, that bad guy, and I'm like, what bad guy? Oh no, I'm, I'm not I'm not understanding what bad guy you're talking about. Because <laughs> Dad, you know that bad guy, he's getting frustrated because I'm not understanding what he's saying to me. And he's like, you know, the bad guy, the bad guy, Dad. And I mean, to the, to the point, he gets up in his chair and he stands up in his, and we're in, a, we're in a booth and he stands up on the booth and he's leaning over the table and says, like, Daddy, the bad guy. And I said, buddy, and by this time, people are looking, right? <laughs> and, and I said, buddy, I'm sorry. I don't know what bad guy you're talking about. A guy on TV he goes, no, the, the bad guy from what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that bad guy. Gotcha. Sit down, son. Sit down. <laughs> Quiet. So, oh, that's oh, my goodness, man. They say some of the craziest things. So, yeah. but uh, anyway, Hey, listen, we're going to wrap this up. Um, I'm a uh, get off of here, man. It is good to be with you, with you, Joey. And uh, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, Steve, yeah. thanks for for coming on uh, and, and being with us again. And uh, boy, do, I do. Uh, uh, sure do miss your wife it would be great to have her on here with us and hear some mom stories and all that good stuff um but uh but it's been good to be with you guys uh, thank, thank you so you much, so much Let for me be here yeah thank you so much for joining us and uh hey uh you as uh, our listeners thank you so much for being a part of this podcast uh, and until we're able to get together i will tell you we've got some great folks lined up over the next few weeks uh, to just share with you from their, from their heart as a pastor, as an evangelist, and even as a pastor who has fallen and, and is out of the ministry right now. Uh, we are we are uh, going to be interviewing him and, uh, and him being able to share it from his heart. So, guys, thank you so much. God bless you. Have a, a great day. And until we're able to get together again soon, take care.
2: All right.